Hey friends, welcome to the Axiom Church Podcast. We're so glad you decided to join us and check out our episode. Um, This is a space where we post our, our Sunday sermons and occasionally we have discussions and conversations regarding life in this community and following Jesus. So thank you for listening and please engage us on our website, axiomchurchaz.com or on any of our social medias. We'd love to hear from you. Take care. Good morning, good morning, everybody. How are we all doing? Good. All right, this is my, uh, this will be my, uh, this will be my second time teaching in front of uh, adults today. Um, Normally I teach in front of our youth, and within five minutes of me teaching, one of our boys falls over in their chair from leaning backwards. So I'm hopeful that that's not going to happen today. Um, um, On another note, usually about five minutes after that, I'll get sidetracked and end up going for another 30 minutes, which creates a perfect nap time for our volunteers. So with that being said, if you need a nap time between 5 p.m. and 7 p.m. on Sundays, we're in need of volunteers. So I've got a solution. Um, If you guys haven't met me yet, I'm Wyatt. I'm the youth director here at Axiom. Um, I grew up in Oregon, so I'm not from here, and I moved here in 2019. Oregon, big old, yeah. Um, And my parents are sitting over there. They moved here in 2020, which is shortly after me. They moved a block away from me. I'm all of Phoenix, Peoria, a block away, which is fantastic. We love that. Um, But that just further proves that I'm probably the favorite child. So, um, so let's go to middle school, perfect years. Uh, ever, ever since I was in middle school, I wanted to be a youth pastor. The reason is because my youth pastor inspired me. Um, middle school was kind of a rough part of my life. And I kind of want to share a little bit of that story before we step into our Acts series. So um, my parents are divorced. And early on in my life, childhood custody battles was a big thing. And I was often felt kind of caught in the middle of it. And it wasn't until seventh grade that uh, my mom won and I ended up going to live with her and finally had like a foundation that I felt like I could build on. Um, Something that was secure, but I was still struggling. Seventh grade year, I struggled with anger issues, depression, um, kind of just a sense of lostness and incompleteness. I really desired to be close, but I didn't know how to get it. And so out of that, my youth pastor became kind of like my mentor. I met with him every other week. He's who I would call when I had a breakdown in the middle of the night um, and really guided me into deeper relationship with Jesus and growing with God. So um, it wasn't perfect, but slowly I developed a deeper relationship with Christ and I was able to kind of make it through those amazing teenage years that we all can agree are our best years. Now we're in our Acts series. Uh, I love Acts because it talks about our relationship with Jesus and how we navigate that. And for me, relationships have been a huge, tough piece of my life and navigating my beliefs and my emotions. Today we're going to be looking at the life of Saul and how he navigated his emotions, his beliefs, 
and did it with Jesus and what that looks like. Um, so first, who is Saul? We know Saul to later become Paul. Um, he is responsible for many of the letters in the Bible, for the New Testament, a huge chunk of it, and also kind of like the footprint of the church. Um, so that's Paul as we know him. Before Paul, Saul was a Jewish man. He followed rabbi traditions and became a Pharisee and was known as the Pharisee of Pharisees. So we're not talking about a guy who's a couch potato. We're talking about a guy who's devoted to God, who loves God and pursues him. Um, he did this his entire life, right? So um, a man who knew the laws, he had the education, and out of that devotion for God, Saul persecuted Christians. He thought, oh, I'll rid the world of the evil that Christians are bringing in, compromising his religion, his beliefs, his, his devotion. It's, it's out of love that Saul decides to fight under God's name against Christians and this new Jesus thing that's going on. So I'm going to read from Acts 1 through 2, 9, 1 through 2, and... Um, and we'll kind of see where Saul's at. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. Now here we see Saul trying his best to participate in what God has for him by doing he thinks, okay, I'm going to rid the world of the evil that I believe is Christians in Jesus. And he almost goes from being somebody who is devoted to God to somebody who's more devoted to his religion than he is to God. And we, I think we see that a lot in today's culture where we get this devotion for a thing and, and kind of forget the why behind the thing. And so that's where Saul's at right now. And if we continue on, it says, as he neared Damascus on his journey... Suddenly, a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And he responds with, who are you, Lord? So there's a lot of information in this text. One, Saul is completing his journey, right? He's on his way and going to persecute Christians in the name of God. And all of a sudden, he comes face to face with somebody that can only be God. I'm really bad with this earpiece. There you go. Perfect. Not perfect. <laughs> um, he gets knocked down, right? Huge flash of light and, and comes face to face with somebody that he's been devoted to his entire life. This has got to be either an anxious moment, an exciting moment, a scared moment. It doesn't specifically go through Saul's emotions in this text, but it does tell us what Saul responded with, which I think there's a lot that we can pick up from here. Saul says, who are you, Lord? And so he, there's this moment, right, where Saul comes face to face with what he believes to be the Lord, and he responds with, who are you? Showing that Saul knows a lot about God. This is a man who's educated, who knows the laws, but he doesn't know God. He lacks that personal relationship, and yet he's doing things for God, right? He's, he's going, but he's not with, if that makes sense. And so if we go through the response. He says, who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. So Saul's worlds have collided. He's shook internally. His 
love for God, his devotion for God, has now come face to face with the thing that he's supposedly doing for God. And he finds out that they're one and the same. His spiritual life is compromised, right? I, I don't know if he's lacking confidence now, but that's what I can assume, because I would be if I came face to face with that challenge. And then finishing it off, the men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. So the men that are around him experience this. They don't see it, but they experience it. And Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. And so they led him by hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. Saul is a giant leader who now is spiritually crashed and also physically unable to lead. Now, I could walk across this stage with my eyes closed, maybe. I'm not going to say I could because I'm not going to try. But um, I could try. And a bunch of things could happen. I could either make it over there, I could fall off the stage, I could go over the end. I'm not going to be a very good leader with my eyes closed physically. And so Saul has to make kind of a decision that, that Jesus is calling him into, to allow himself to be led. He's this giant leader who's used to being the Pharisee of Pharisees, and now he has to take the hand of a man who didn't even see what he saw, just heard, and follow him into Damascus. And I do want to point out that here, Saul could have just, I don't know, sat down, went back home. That's probably what I would do if all of a sudden I was blind. I wouldn't continue working. Sorry, bosses, but I wouldn't do that. Um, but Saul chooses to continue forward into what Jesus is calling him into, taking the hand of the men around him who were, heard what he heard and trust the Jesus that existed in them to take him to Damascus and and. After that, we know that Saul's name changed in the whole process. So um, Jesus is calling us into something here. And I think we can kind of already see it. I think I've said it a couple times. But I'm going to go back in Mark 3, uh, verse 14. Jesus is appointing his disciples. And here it says, He appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. Saul had an idea of how you got relationship with Jesus. This idea that you first do. You have to just do things for God in God's name, and then maybe you'll be blessed enough, like the old ways, to experience, to experience God, the fullness of God. Instead, Jesus is calling his disciples saying, hey, first, I just want you to be with me, and then you'll go out and preach. But I, for right now, just come be with me. And so he's calling Saul into hey, hold my hand, let's do this together, let's be together. And the Lord calls you to know Jesus. He calls you to be with him. A heart that's ready to be is a, is a body that's ready to go. Every day is a choice of choosing to be with Christ, not just doing things for God. See, doing is good as long as it's out of the place of why we're doing it. We're doing it because we want to be with um, after this, we see Saul kind of transform. He goes on to become Paul. He 
his life has changed. He still is the same guy that's not the couch potato lazy guy. He's, he's doing things for God. Um, but he's doing it out of the space of being with God. He goes to write letters that are used as tools in the Bible. Uh, he gives us the footprint of the church. And comparatively in my life, when I was in seventh grade, I was lost. There's a piece of me that didn't know where to go. I had the foundation, but I didn't know how to build up from it. And I desired, I knew what I wanted. I desired closeness, but I didn't know how to get it. And I thought you had to win, right? To become number one in your school, you have to one, out bully the bullies, always have the best comeback, and, and win all the fights that, that you got in. And then you could maybe experience relationship. But I got lucky. My youth pastor came to me and said, hey, I know Jesus. Take my hand. And there were moments that I felt blind, where I felt like I couldn't do it, that I didn't know where I was going, but I had to trust the Jesus that existed in my youth pastor and hold his hand and walk through a lot of the things that I was going through. It's not about changing you. It wasn't about making my depression, my anxiety, my anger go away. It was about changing who I was with. Whose hand am I holding? Who's, who do I have faith in? And we can practice this, and we do practice this every single day. You practice it by getting up. How can you steward Christ today? We practice it by being in community, by sharing a meal, um, by loving one another. And one practice that we do every single Sunday is joining together for communion, which we're gonna go into in just a minute. Um, but that's a practice that we get to go. Sister, be quiet. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we get to go and we get to go to the table and be in community and pray together and, and share a meal while remembering what Jesus has done for us. We get to be with him. And so I'm going to pray us into this. Uh, if you guys, after I'm done praying, want to get up whenever you're ready and make your way down the center aisles, the communion tables are going to be open and we'll go out the, the back aisles. And then if you want to huddle in groups just in the back of the room, um, God, thank you so much for today. The opportunity just to come together, to experience you, um, and participate in life with you. I thank you for the, the opportunity that we get to go, we get to pursue what you've called us into, but we get to do it with you. I pray that as we take the communion, God, we will remember this. In Jesus' name, amen.